Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we desire to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson continues his series titled Real with part two, Real Perspective. As a believer, there are some things that are more important than exercising the freedom and rights we have in Christ. Just because we can does not mean we should. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. We're going to look at two passages, kind of a heavy passage, to be honest, a little bit weighty, but that's all right because sometimes we need to uh, encounter some weighty passages. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Two passages. One is chapter 6, verse 12. The other one is chapter 10, verse 23. We'll look at other passages, but these lay the foundation for us. So let's look first at chapter 6, verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now chapter 10, verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So Paul basically says the same thing twice in two different places. Why would he do that? I think really it's because he's going to come with this saying, everything is permissible from two different perspectives. And he's going to make two different points from these perspectives. So let's look at the first perspective, and it's here in chapter 6, verse 12. Let's read a little bit farther in that. Verse 12 again says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Verse 18 says, so flee from sexual immorality. So this first perspective, the perspective that Paul's coming from here is from the perspective of sexual immorality, promiscuity. If you were here last week, remember we said that Corinth um, has three characteristics that make up the fabric of that city. It's promiscuity, pride, and polytheism. And so now Paul is addressing one of those characteristics here with the promiscuity, the sexual immorality. And that word in the Greek is porneia, which we get pornography from. And it's, it's a, just a wide variety of inappropriate sexual behavior. Okay? So that is the perspective he's coming from. Now, this word permissible means legal or lawful on one end, but it also means proper. Depends on the context. And here I think it's talking more about Proper, so he's saying everything is proper. Now, in your translation, probably, in that passage, you have everything is permissible in quotations. The reason for that is that's a quote. That's a mantra. That was a slogan of the day back then. This isn't Paul saying, hey, everything is permissible. Paul has taken this slogan that was popular in that day, in that city in Corinth, and bringing it in, saying everything is permissible. So it's the mantra of the day that would validate the Corinthians' behavior. It was kind of uh, the, the early ancient version of tolerance. But it was tolerance in the extreme. It wasn't just tolerate 
all behavior. It was actually participate in all behavior. And that was kind of the mantra of the, of the day. Now, two groups, Libertines and the Gnostics, they grabbed onto this mantra because it suited their theology. For different reasons, they, they believed that the body was either irrelevant or evil of no, or of no consequence, and it was all about the spiritual. So actually, you could do anything you wanted to do physically. You could do anything you wanted to do with your body. It didn't affect relationship with Christ because that was all spiritual. They believed that sexual hunger was the same as physical hunger. That's why Paul says in verse 13, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. In other words, they're saying what you do with the body is irrelevant. Paul's saying, no, that's not the case. The issue, though, is that this mantra, because it was so ingrained in Corinth, and some of these believers had obviously stepped out of that culture into the church, even though they knew Christ, they had brought this mantra into the church. And many were just living their life the same way, saying, hey, everything is permissible, so I'll live any way I want to and do with my body what I want to. So Paul pulls this slogan out and he says, but, let me address it. And so from this first perspective, the first point he makes is, this slogan is bogus. <laughs> this slogan is wrong. Not only is everything not legal because they're laws, but especially in the church, everything is not permissible. And he even shares some things in 1 Corinthians that God says these things are not permissible. Then he addresses the actual concept of the body, of saying, hey, I can do anything I want to with my body. He goes on in verse 19 that says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What he's trying to communicate here is it's not just about physical or spiritual, that when we come into Christ, that includes what we do physically. That includes what we do with our body because the Spirit of God dwells within us. Then he uses this phrase, to not be mastered by anything. This means to be overpowered or to overcome. It, it means to have authority over. Paul's saying, don't let anything have power over you, control over you, any type of, of sin or temptation. Don't let it dominate over you. And so some of these believers were using this mantra, everything is permissible, as a crutch or as an excuse. They wanted to live in whatever activity they were involved in. For some of them, they had been mastered by it or become addicted to it, if you will. And so they were using this mantra as a crutch or an excuse. And Paul is saying, don't do that. You don't want to be mastered by anything. So, so that's perspective one, talking about sexual immorality, things that are not permissible, okay? Here's the second perspective that we go to chapter 10, verse 23. And again, it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but seek the good of others. The second perspective is coming from polytheism from their worship of multiple gods, the worship of idols, if you will. And he speaks specifically, as we'll see here in a moment, he's talking about eating food that have, has been dedicated to idols. This was the third identifier with polytheism. So the question that he deals with through here is, should believers eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Part of this was a question because in that day, again, many of the Corinthians had stepped out of polytheism. Now they know Jesus, 
but they still kind of struggle with this and it could still be an issue or problem because they were used to offering that meat to their idols. So should I eat that meat? That's kind of the question here. Now, this is interesting for me because we don't really deal with that issue. I mean, I don't really know anybody who sacrifices meat to idols. That's not really part of our culture here. But over the years, a lot of similar things uh, have been part of the church culture because the question really that we're dealing with as we apply it is, is X permissible? What, whatever that may be. It may not be, can I eat this meat? But it could be a variety of other things. And through the years, there's been a, a variety of issues that people have asked, can I do this? And the church either says yes or no. And it's, it's kind of this deal. And I can remember, what, and it seems like it kind of morphs. Every, every group kind of has their own issues. Way back when I was a young kid, I remember talking to my parents, and the big issue then was, can Christians gamble? Can Christians even play cards? And there was a whole movement in the church that it was a sin and wrong to play cards. I'm not even talking about poker, canasta, gin, it didn't matter, couldn't play cards. That kind of morphed to dancing. Can Christians dance? That morphed to drinking, to social drinking, and that morphed to R-rated movies, and that morphed to a variety of things. It even morphs to, can I let my kids play sports on Sunday? Um, it's, just, it's just a variety of things. What's interesting is there's always these question marks of, is this permissible? So as we walk through this perspective, I just want you to be thinking in your head, X, whatever that is for you. I'm not going to talk about any specific issue this morning. But the question that Paul's dealing with that we're going to talk about is those X things, is it permissible for me to do that? Well, in this case, with the eating of meat, Paul says in verse 25, basically, yes, it's okay. He says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions for conscience. And then he quotes Psalm 24, 1, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So he basically says, yeah, it, it's fine. But then he qualifies it. And here's the point for this second perspective. And that is that the slogan is short-sighted. Now, in other words, from one perspective, these things that God's word has said, no, those are not permissible. The slogan's bogus. But over here, where we're talking about those things that are permissible, now he says, yes, but it may be short-sighted. And he gives some qualifying here. The verses before verse 23 starts talking about the Lord's Supper. And he said, just as when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the, the bread and the cup, we are participating in the fellowship of the body and the blood of Christ. He said, and likewise, if you partake of the food dedicated to idols, you beware because you may be participating with idols at that point too. So just because, it's, yes, it's permissible, you may not wanna do that because there's a danger involved in that. Then back in chapter nine, Paul starts to talk about himself to make this point clear as well. He talks about his rights and his freedoms as an apostle. He said, because I'm an apostle, I have certain freedoms and certain rights. And he mentions a few of them. Then he camps out on the fact that he should be paid. He has the right to be paid for his ministry. He gives a lot of examples. He says, a soldier doesn't serve at his own expense. He's paid. An owner of a vineyard gets to eat from his own grapes. An owner of a flock gets to drink of the milk. In the law, those who serve in the temple they get paid what's brought to the temple. Those who serve at the altar get to share in the offering of the altar. Uh, verse 14 says that the Lord even commanded those who preach the gospel, they, have a, they deserve a right to be paid. So he makes this very clear point that I have rights 
and freedoms. But he says in chapter 9, verse 12, I don't use that right. In verse 15, he says, I've not used any of these rights. Why? Verse 12, he says, because I don't want to hinder the gospel. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I have a greater desire. I have a greater purpose than exercising my freedom and my rights. And that's to impact the kingdom. That's to make a difference in what God wants to do in me and through me. So let me ask you a question to ponder. Since we're, we're being real, it's the name of the series. What's more important to you? Being able to exercise your freedoms or to make an impact and be used by God in the life of others? So here's the, here's the initial takeaway. Some things are taboo in Scripture. And if Scripture says, no, these things are not permissible, they're not permissible because God's Word is still inspired by God. It's still infallible. It's still the Word of God. And it's just as authoritative now as it was when it was written. So when God's Word says certain things are not permissible, then they're not permissible. But the second takeaway is in Christ, there are tons of things that are permissible. We have so much freedom and rights as a believer. But we have to ask the question, am I going to participate in the permissible? That's what I want you to think about. Should I participate in the permissible just because I can? What, what makes the difference? How do I decide what to participate in and what should be a part of my life? Well, he tells us here in the passage, verse 23 of 10, is it beneficial? Is it constructive? It's, if everything's permissible, is it beneficial? Now, that word actually means to, to bring together, to be helpful, to be gained. Is there anything to be gained in my life by doing this? The word constructive here means to edify or to strengthen, to build up. If I participate in this deal, is it going to edify myself or someone else? Is it going to build somebody up? Is it going to build up me or, or not? Is it going to cause the opposite effect? That's part of what we talk about. So what I want to leave us with are three questions that we can ask ourselves. When we're dealing with whatever the issues are that we think are permissible, which technically are permissible, we have freedom. Should I participate in that or not? Here's three questions you can ask yourself in the context of being beneficial and being constructive. And I'm taking it from chapter 10, starting in verse 31, these three questions. Here's the first question that we can ask. Does it glorify God? Chapter 10, verse 31, he says, so, whether you eat or drink. Now, here he's talking specifically about the issue he's dealing with, eating this meat. He says, so whether you eat or drink, but then he broads it up to all of us on all issues. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, here what I think Paul's doing is dealing with a heart issue. He's trying to get underneath all the external, legalistic, stuff and get to the heart because that's really the difference. In my, just in my head, in my mind, when we deal with what we can do and not do, it'd be a lot easier if we just had an objective list. Okay, just, just write down a bunch of stuff that I can't do as a Christian 
and I'll just follow the list. That's, that's way easier. I'll, I just won't do any of that stuff. Because I think that's easier, that's why a lot of believers think that way. That's why a lot of churches have put that type of legalistic list together. Probably many of us have been in churches periodically where that church has a list of don'ts. That may not be written down anywhere, but you know in the culture there that you don't do these things. That'd be a lot easier if we just had a list. The problem with that is you can adhere to a list and your heart be far from God. That's what happened to the Pharisees. See, when they started, their hearts were for God, but somewhere along the line, they just started making all these lists and it became this legalistic, external rule-following deal. So when Jesus encounters them, he says, you guys are like dead men. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside. You're doing all the externals, but you're full of dead men's bones. Your hearts are far from me. So that's why we don't have all of these legalistic rules. God's given us a lot of freedom. But he wants to know, is our heart set on glorifying him? There are some believers, I think, that do what I call living life on the edge. And by that, I don't mean you know, jumping out of planes and free climbing and all this kind of stuff. That's cool. But this is different, spiritually speaking, living life on the edge. It would be like, let's say the stage is, is God and the things of God, and the floor is the world, the things of this world. Okay? A lot of people want to live right here on the edge. And they want to see how close they can get to the edge before they fall off. So they, they want to enjoy the things of God, but they also want to enjoy the things of the world too. And they want to see, okay, how close can I get without falling? And I think what Paul is saying is our heart should not be how close to the world can I get. It ought to be how far from the world can I be? How much can I distance myself from the things that do not glorify God? We could say it this way, to say, if, and I've used this before, I think, if God's the far right and the world's the far left, going this way, you're going to God, to the things of God, to the things of the Spirit. If you go this direction, you're going towards the world, the things of the world, and the things of the flesh. I have a decision of what I'm going to do. Is my heart set on going toward God and the things of God and the things of the Spirit? Or is my heart set on going toward the world and the things of the world because that's what my heart is set on, that's what I love. What Paul's trying to say is, don't let this participation in the permissible be an excuse to let me enjoy the things of the world in the, in the guise of, hey, I'm free in Christ. Yeah, you are, but that doesn't mean we're free to pursue the world. <laughs> he wants to change our heart. So what he's really saying here is asking some real heart questions. Does participating in this help conform me more into the image of Christ? Does participation in this draw me into a more intimate fellowship with Christ? That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, that he's called us into fellowship with his son. Is the motivation for participating in this flesh-driven or is it spirit-driven? These are some of the questions that he's asking. He's saying just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Ask, does this benefit me spiritually and will it glorify Christ? Here's the second question. Does it create a stumbling block? That's verse 32. It says, do not cause anyone to stumble. Now, this, this word and this phrase, in my opinion, has been so abused and misused. Um, people think it means to offend. Um, and we know today, man, everything you do offends somebody, right? 
So if you offend them, you've got to change the law or you've got to quit doing whatever. This is not what this is talking about. And it's a good thing because in the, in the church world, I have offended people. I can remember the first time, um, it wasn't the first time I preached in this church, but the first time in a, in a traditional service I preached, and I, didn't have, I didn't wear a tie. <laughs> Man, he talked about offending me. You thought I was a devil. I offended many people and heard about it. I can also remember going to a church to lead contemporary worship that had never had a contemporary worship service. We started one, and it offended a lot of people. I can also remember being at a, a, a wedding that I, I uh, uh, officiated, and so Denise and I and some other friends were down there at the reception, line dancing with everybody, you know, the country, all that stuff. Somebody said, man, I hope nobody has a video camera because you're going to get in big trouble if somebody sees you. I'm thinking, what's the deal? So th- here's the truth. It doesn't matter what you do, you're going to offend people. That's just the way it is because people are easily offended. People aren't going to like what you do. They're not going to agree with what you do. That's not what this word means, okay? That's not what this word means. This word stumble literally means to damage one's faith. It means to trip them up in their walk. It means uh, to have a negative impact on their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why he says in chapter 8, verse 13, if what I eat, again, he's talking about his immediate issue, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again. I'll never do it again because I don't want to cause him to fall into sin. So the picture, the word picture, is, let's say I'm following Christ, but I'm walking in my freedom. I'm walking in my permissible. Okay? It's not an issue for me. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't mess up my relationship with Christ at all. But somebody else sees me doing that thing, and for them, it is a problem. For them, it could be addictive. For them, it could be mastered over them. For them, it does something. To, and they're saying, okay, he's doing that, and he's fine, so I'm going to do that. But if I do that, it's going to mess me up in my walk with Christ. So what he's saying is, I don't want to cause my brother to stumble. So even though I can do this, I'm not going to do this because I don't want him to trip up. In other words, there's something greater than me exercising my freedom. And that's because I love my brother and I love my sister. And I want to take care of them. I want to be sure that their walk with Christ is strong and vital and growing. And if anything that I'm going to do that's going to cause them to sin, I just won't do it. Even though I can, I won't do it. Here's the third one. Does it hinder the gospel? That's verse 33. He says, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Back in chapter 9, Paul was talking about, man, as an apostle... I have all these freedoms. I have all these rights. And I can demand them. I can walk in them. I can live in them. But he said, you know what? If demanding that is going to hinder the gospel, I won't do it. Don't pay me. I'll go work another job because I don't want to hinder the gospel. Chapter 9, verse 12, Paul says, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Again, it's a heart matter. It's a heart issue. And the heart says, 
Yes, in Christ, I am free and I have freedom and there are so many things that are permissible for me. And that's a true statement. But there's something bigger than that issue. There's a hard issue of what drives me to prove my freedom, <laughs> to prove my right, to exercise that, or is it because my heart says, I don't want to hinder the gospel of Christ. That's way more important to me. I don't want to cause a brother to stumble because that's way more important to me. And I want to glorify Jesus Christ in everything I do because that is way more important to me than walking in the permissible. So here's the question. Here's the issue that I leave with you this morning. If you have some of those X, if you've been thinking about, okay, these things are permissible. Should I do this? Should I walk in this? Should I practice this? Should I participate in this? Whatever it may be. Just ask those questions and examine your heart. And may the desire of your heart be to glorify him, to love your brother, and to see the gospel of Christ go forth in power and in victory. Thanks for listening. We truly hope that you are blessed and encouraged. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.